0: Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guests today are Chris Lopez and Robin Parker. Chris is the program manager and Robin is the program outreach coordinator for Through Project, an organization based in San Antonio, Texas. Well, welcome, Chris and Robin. Thank you so much for joining our podcast series. I'm really glad to have you here today. How are both of you doing? Doing great. Doing well, thank you. Terrific. Well, I tell you what, we usually start these podcasts uh, having our guests introduce themselves. So if you would, please, if you could each share a little bit about yourself, and how is it that you are connected with the foster care system? So Chris, I'll, I'll go ahead and toss that to you first.
1: Hi. uh, So my name is Chris Lopez. I am the program manager for Through Project. I have been working within the foster care system for about 10 years, a little over 10 years now. Uh, I first started out as a uh, investigator for the Department of Family and Protective Services, Child Protective Services, and um, did that for about uh, close to four years. And then I went on, to become a case manager preparation for adult living or PAL program and uh, I was there for about six years during my time there as a case manager so I would um, help young adults who were aging out of the foster care system connect them with their benefits help them with resources uh, kind of get them on their feet with school or employment or housing whatever the case may be and then um, after that, I came over to Through Project and I've been here uh, for about three years now. So, yeah, definitely over 10 years now that I think about it. So, uh, I love every minute of it. I have been on both sides of the fence as far as the foster care system when it comes to removing children or making sure that they're safe. And now, helping young adults who are aging out of the foster care system, uh, setting them up with their benefits or helping them with resources getting them a mentor, whatever the case may be. I love this side of the fence. I've enjoyed it immensely and still do it to this day. It's such a great feeling when a young adult calls you and tells you they've accomplished something or thank you for helping me. I I really, really uh, love what I do.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Robin, how about you? Hi, my name is Robin. I am
2: the Program Outreach Coordinator for Through Project. I was actually in foster care, so I aged out of care at 19, and ever since then, I've been working with communities in school as well as through projects on a kind of a volunteer basis as well as going through the program. I was in the housing program. I had a mentor, and then I graduated college, and I got the job at through projects, so I've been here for about 10 months now, super excited. It is definitely a change to be kind of on the other side, but I love it.
0: So it sounds like you were just recently in foster care, right? Well, six years ago. Six years ago. Okay. I aged out at 19 and I'm 25 now. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I think recently enough that your perspective is going to be unique in that what's happening now as far as the different policies and things that are going on in the system, you experience them. And so maybe that will come out in our conversations, but I think that's a really unique perspective. So I really appreciate you joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: And uh, just to interject real quick on a side note, Robin was on my caseload when I was a case manager in Preparation for Adult Living program. So I worked with Robin when she was 17 years old, and now I can call her my coworker.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. All right, well, let's find out about your program, the Through Project. Why don't you please share with me what it is that Through Project does to help young people prepare for independence?
1: So, Through Project was founded back in 2011 by co-founders Elaine Hartle and Steve O'Donnell, and they saw a need within the foster care system. They saw that there was some cracks. Of course, it's not a perfect system. And uh, they they saw that some of these young adults didn't have a stable adult in their life, somebody who they can turn to whenever they needed help or needed to go get their ID or Social Security card, somebody to guide them. So they created Through Project as a mentoring program for young adults who were in the foster care system or have aged out of the foster care system. So since 2011, we've helped over 600 young adults. We have 180 in our program, and so we provide mentoring services is our main thing. We want to keep these young adults with a stable, lives, so that way they can call upon any help or need any advice. That's our main goal is to provide them with a mentor. A lot of our young adults who do have mentors average about two to three years that they stay in contact with their mentors. Our longest match to date is six years. It's a really, really great program. And then since then, we've also added other resources. So we provide bus passes, semester-long bus passes for six months to the young adults. So that way we eliminate that barrier of transportation. Um, Because a lot of these young adults do not have the resources um, and how are they going to get to uh, school or to work or whatever the case may be. So we're going to eliminate that barrier by providing them a bus pass. Another barrier that we've seen is communication. A lot of times, young adults don't have a connection to the outside world. And nowadays, there's no more pay phones. So we provide them with a cell phone. They're eligible to receive a cell phone, and we'll take care of the bill. As long as they're doing what they need to, which is working or going to school and keeping up with their mentor, we'll provide that cell phone and keep paying for that. And a lot of times, these young adults use that cell phone because that's their only way to get connected um, and get what whatever information they need or contact their employer or their mentor, eliminating that communication barrier. And our last resource that we've started uh, just recently is our housing program. About two years ago, uh, we started that a lot of these young adults didn't have the stability of housing. Uh, they were very housing insecure. So we created a housing program where we provided um, housing for a year uh, to 10 young adults, and we provided wraparound services during that year time. And all we asked is for the young adults to put money into savings every month and just create that nest egg so that way when they left the program, they had all this money saved up and can use it for their future endeavors. It was a very successful program. We had 10 participants complete from start to finish and the average savings account was i believe over $3000 highest savings account that we had in the program was $6200 and we continued it the next year and we still have it to date and we also have what we call the supervised independent living program or SIL through the state and we're able to provide housing for young adults who want to stay in extended care those from 18 to 21, we can pay for their housing as long as they meet the eligibility through the state.
0: Okay. In regard to the housing, since that was the most recent thing you brought up, do you own the housing that these young people live in? Or are they going into, say, rentals, and you work with the landlords that own those properties?
1: So we are fortunate enough to work with a property management company called Highland Commercial Properties, They own about 13 or 14 apartment complexes through San Antonio, and so we're able to place our young adults within their apartments. Highland Commercial Properties has been phenomenal with helping our young adults get jobs on on site to lending hand um, whenever the, the youth need. We don't own the property, unfortunately, but we do have a great partnership.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And I really like hearing about that because I haven't heard that yet in the podcasts that we've had so far is this partnership with a property management company, because I think that there's a lot of potential there for other groups, other organizations that provide housing um, as an avenue, as opposed to just working with individual landlords or owning your own property. There's this alternate possibility. And have you, you found it to be successful? It sounds like it's very positive and going well.
1: Correct. It's been, I mean, of course, with every program or uh, new initiative that we, we bring on, you know, we have to do our little tweaks here and there. But really we haven't had to put so much time and effort to make the program successful. We just, we just show them, the youth that, hey, look, we're here to help you as much as you're here to help yourself. If they're not willing to participate or follow You know, unfortunately, it's it's sad to say, but we have to dismiss them just because we want to make sure that these young adults that we do accept into our program to better themselves and become self-sufficient and independent.
0: Right, exactly. Well, Robin, why don't you if you could please share what you do as the program outreach coordinator there. Yes. So I am
2: the program outreach coordinator and a huge, huge part of my job is the matches. So I match the mentors with the mentees. They fill out the application and on the application it asks them for like their interests. So if they like camping or art or like sports, And then based on that, I put it into a system called Innovative and it matches based on how much they have in common. And I take distance into consideration. I take background into consideration. If there's somebody who wants to go into the military and I have a military person who's available, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I also do the trainings. So the mentor trainings, we used to have them once a month due to the COVID-19 outbreak. We aren't doing them in person anymore. We are doing them via Zoom, and I've had a lot of success doing that. So I'm happy to say that we're able to get the youth who we have waiting for a mentor that that somebody that we do. Um, I also go out to the different, not right now because... You know, of course, most of the placements are shut down, but I'll go out to placements like Boysville and such, and I'll go and speak to the youth about kind of our program. I'll go and I'll speak at luncheons. I'll do events. I'll go to PALS events, which is preparation for adult living services, which is contracted through BCFS, which kind of helps foster youth get prepared for life after foster care. And then I handle any match concerns. So if they're having issues or if they need help on guidance or anything like that, I'm the person that they typically go
0: to. Okay. And are these mentors volunteer?
2: Yes, they are. They don't get paid, so they go through a background check, they go through our training course, and then they commit to one year meeting face-to-face once a month, and then at least reaching out via phone, text, or email at least once a week.
0: And how do you find your mentors? Is it something that you go out and speak to groups about and try to sign people up through that avenue?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I've gone to different organizations before. We've gone and spoken at corporations. We've gone and spoken at churches, our events. Um, A lot of the times it's our program is really word from mouth. So they have a friend who's a mentor and they're like, hey, like they're telling me about this program. I really want to try it out, see what it's like. Social media has been a tremendous outreach platform. Because people see it and they're like, hmm, what is this? And they'll go on our website and they'll look and they're like, hey, and then they'll reach out and they're like, hey, can I learn a little bit more about the program? So we have different avenues, but I would say that word of mouth, social media, and then we do, you know, when people ask us, hey, can you come out and speak at our lunch? Or can you come out and speak to our organization? A lot of organizations are really amazing in that they
0: actually give credit to people who do volunteer work. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a motivation. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> And what are the ages of the youth uh, as far as mentoring? Do you mentor them upon aging out or are you mentoring any young people while they're still in foster care? So we work with youth ages 14 and up. I want to say that statistically
2: our youth range from 18 to 22 is about where most of our youth kind of fall into. So we get them a little bit before they transition, when they're transitioning,
0: and then when they are out. But you don't have many that are still in foster care the smallest number would be that younger group?
2: Well, we do have quite a number who are in foster care, especially those who are in extended foster care, for instance, are at some kind of placement like Boysville or something. Um, our connections where they're in that position of their transitioning, so they're 18, 19, and they're still there until they kind of get stable or they find a permanent place to live. I want to say it's just a little bit more of those youth who are actually out of care, but caseworkers are also amazing. Um, we also go out and speak to caseworkers when they have their monthly meetings. And they're a huge source on referring our youth. So a lot of the times we do get those who are in care or who are like 17, 18, about to leave care.
0: And the caseworker is like, hey, I think this youth would definitely benefit from this program. Right. And do you have any challenges filling all of the mentor positions that you need to have filled? Because I hear that over and over again. Sometimes it's challenging, particularly mentors who are men. Definitely. I think for us, it has this
2: kind of fluctuation. So there are times when we're like, oh, no, we need we need more male mentors. And then other times, oh, we need female mentors. Or sometimes, oh, we don't have enough youth because we had an influx of mentors come in. So it really just kind of depends on the
0: month. <laughs> <laughs> All right, And you mentioned a system and there might be some listeners who would be interested in knowing a little bit about that. So before we move on in our questioning, you mentioned a system called Innovative. Could you please explain that a little bit and what that does for you? So Chris, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the it's just kind of this program that we use and it's kind
2: of like a dating profile in a way. It puts in the use information where their address is and such like that. And I can click, you know, match and it'll pop up people who are within a decent distance, and who have similar interests in common. Because, you know, we don't want to match somebody who's really into art with somebody who's really into football. <laughs> you know, we want to make sure that we give them a foundation that they can really build off of, you know, some kind of commonality that they can be like, oh, I love football. And then they start talking about football. And the next thing you know, it's an hour later, and that connection's building, that connection has started.
0: And did you build the system in-house? Or is that something that anybody can go and find on the internet? Oh,
1: it's a uh, program that is available for anyone if they search for it.
0: Okay. Yeah, because there might be a lot of programs out there that do mentoring that would be curious about that. So I appreciate you letting me know a little bit more. All right. Well, let me go back, if you don't mind. There was one other question I had about your housing program, and that is, I'm gathering based on what you described, your partnership with the property management company, that you don't necessarily have like a residential staff that live with the young people, but uh, you have staff that go out and support them and check in on them. How does that work?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, staff that go see the young adults at least twice a month. If the need is there and we see that they need a little bit more, support. We'll go out there once a week just to help the young adult. And we, again, we provide that wraparound service. So the young adult is having a difficult time finding employment or needing help with food or whatever the case may be. We have staff that provide those resources for the young adults. So yes, we do have staff that go out there and uh, meet with the young adults. Again, we also, the property managers, at each apartment complex, know our program, know our kids. So if there's any kind of concerns or they see anything, they're always willing to pick up the phone and call one of us and say, I think such and such is needing help with food, or I saw such and such walking down the road and uh, there was a bus stop right in front of our apartment complex for transportation. So they're really good about keeping an eye out on our youth as well.
0: Well, that's great. Now, do you put them through any kind of training, the property management staff, or is it really just meetings to, to kind of come on a, to agreement on how to communicate with each other?
1: Right, right. It's just meetings on how to how to communicate with each other, with the property staff. And they're just already well-trained as it is dealing with different people that live at their property. So they're they're really, really well-trained and they all have such a great heart and passion to help our young adults.
0: Oh, that's so good. I appreciate you um, indulging me in answering that question. I didn't want to lose that question about the housing, but I'm going to jump back to the mentoring, <laughs> Robin. And I had a question about whether or not your mentors follow a particular curriculum, as far as you know. You know, we want to talk with them at this age about education skills? We need to talk with them at at this age about keeping an apartment or whatever the case may be. Do they have a particular curriculum that they need to check off? Or is it really more about the individual needs and goals of the youth themselves?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we really do try to do it on an individual case. All of our youth are amazing, and they come from such different backgrounds, and they all have such different goals. So what one goal is for one, like going to the military, we have one who wants to go into the military, is going to be different than a goal for, a, for instance, a, another young man in our program who wants to go to welding school. So it just kind of depends on a case-by-case basis. When During the training, we'll talk a little bit about different... Um, ways to communicate and we'll talk about kind of a little bit more about our youth and we'll give them we're very big on examples (laughs) during training so we'll give them different examples of the youth and then we are very hands-on with our mentors we're constantly answering calls text message emails if they have questions or if they're like hey my mentee was talking to me about this can you help me process it and that we're there and we kind of help them along the way So it really is more of like an individual case and we go based off the youth. Are they in care? Are they not in care? Are they living with biological family? Are they going to be in a placement? Are they going into extended care? What is it that they're going and where is it that they're going to and how do we help them get there?
0: Right. Do you have any young people who, I want to use the term graduate, (laughs) but leave your program successfully, turn around and want to be mentors then?
2: Yes, we do actually. So we do have what we call our graduate program and that's the youth who are still, if they ever need help, you know, we're more than happy to help them. I'm technically, I was considered a graduate before I started working with the program, um, where that they've either finished school or they're in school and they have the necessary life skills to be more independent and their mentors will be like, oh, well, can I mentor another youth because mine doesn't need me as much because, you know, they're independent. They're successful in their own right. So we do have what we consider our, our graduate program. We've had just, I think, at our last Technically, it's last year, but at our last event, um, before everything kind of happened, we actually had one of ours who became a teacher and she's like, hey, can I be a mentor next year? Absolutely. There's no reason why they would never be able to do it. And I always love when they express interest in being a mentor because they've been in the youth's shoes.
0: They know what they're going through. Right, exactly. And I would imagine that the young people could feel a a connection much much quicker. Yeah, there's always this, I, I like
2: to say a lag time where you know, the mentor and the mentee are kind of getting to know each other. And the youth is like, can I trust you? Can I not trust you? So um, there's definitely that, you know, when you share the same background, it is, but I think our youth also learn so much from having somebody who's not from the same background, they're really able to open up to the experience and open up to different, a different way of life in a way and a different form of communication or a different background. And I think that's so important for these youth to see that there is a different way to live in a different way to experience the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you have any relatives who step up to mentor young people who are in their extended family? Maybe a a distant relative or an aunt or an uncle, maybe they didn't have the ability to provide kinship care, but now they could be a mentor. Do you have any of that? Not really. And we do have a lot of like Old caseworkers or therapists are former
2: connections of some way who will want to mentor specific youth because they're like, I've known them since they
0: were six or I've known them since they were 13. When I was speaking with Dr. Johanna Greeson a few podcasts ago, she has pulled together a program. Basically, it's trying to connect people who are already in the young people's lives to be their mentor, not necessarily, you know, in their family, but it could be. And so what you're saying is right in line with that, because if they're already part of their life, then it just seems like a natural fit for them to be that young person's mentor. Exactly. Yeah. So do you go out of your way to try to find those people for your youth? Or is it really more of, you know, if somebody asks, then you're more than willing to have them participate? If somebody
2: asks, we are more than happy to accommodate them. We don't have access to all of our youth's records, so we don't necessarily know their uncle or their aunts. Since we are not technically a government um, organization, we don't ha- we don't have access to their case files or anything like that.
0: Right. But you could have a conversation with the young people of like, you know, were there any coaches or teachers that you feel close to? That kind of thing where you, you're talking with the young person about their background and who they might like to be a mentor. Do you, do you ever go from that perspective?
2: Before I match the youth, I do talk to them. I do have a kind of a mini interview and where I ask them kind of what they're looking for and talk to them a little bit about their interest. If they express an interest in having somebody specific mentor them, we're always open to that. So it just depends on the youth when I talk to them.
0: Right, right. Okay. I I don't need to push it anymore. I just was just curious about that because that concept that she had presented about really digging in and trying to find people that the young person's already connected to. I'm trying to see how could that work with existing mentor programs? Can it be integrated or not? So I was just curious about that. So let me ask you this. You had mentioned COVID-19. Could one of you share how did COVID-19 impact your organization and how did you manage through that?
1: Of course, COVID-19 affected all businesses and nonprofits. And, and so we had to adjust how we were going to serve our young adults and our, our mentors. We did ask that they respect the stipulations as far as no face-to-face contact or, you know, wearing masks, things like that. And we encouraged video chat, uh, getting on the phone doing FaceTime, Zoom, whatever the platform it is, so that the young adult can get some kind of interaction that's face-to-face instead of just over the phone or through text message or whatnot. So we've had to, again, kind of adjust a little. It has not in- impacted us greatly as far as our numbers dipping or not getting enough mentors or things like that. But we have had to help our young adults quite bit through this time with resources and jobs. Uh, Luckily, we did get a grant to provide groceries to these young adults. We have been able to give them uh, gift cards to Walmart or whatever grocery store that's around them, and uh, that's helped them out quite a bit to bridge the gap. We've also been able to put resources on our website. So if the young adult is experiencing any type of financial crisis or whatever the case may be, can always refer back to our website because we update that daily.
0: Right, right. I would imagine that you probably had quite a bit of job loss among your youth.
1: Correct. We did have quite a bit of young adults who who lost their jobs or got their hours cut because a lot of them, you know, work in the food service industry or call centers or things like that. And because of everything, they lost their jobs. So they were definitely facing that financial burden when it comes to their apartment or their food or utilities or whatever the case may be. Luckily enough, that we have such a great staff. We've been able to connect these young adults to resources and and meet them out in the public if they need us to.
0: Right, right. Now you mentioned a grant to provide groceries. Was this a grant that Came up because of COVID 19, or was it a grant that's just kind of always there and you just happen to take advantage of it when you need it? And I'm just really curious if there are grants that have been put out there just to deal with this COVID 19 situation.
1: Correct. So it was uh, funding through the Area Foundation, San Antonio Area Foundation. We were able to secure some funds to help these young adults with groceries
0: glad you had that available to you for sure. So how are things now in Texas as far as opening back up? Are the young people going back to work yet or are you still pretty closed down?
1: Texas is opening back up. I believe on Friday, 75% of businesses could open up their occupancy. And so some of the young adults are, are getting back into work, but there's still those that that are, are, are still struggling because of COVID-19. We're doing whatever it takes, doing our part to to connect
0: different jobs. I imagine you help them get connected to unemployment and going through the process of signing up for that as well.
1: Correct. Correct. Yes.
0: Now, what would you say are the most effective strategies for helping young people get ready for adulthood? If you were talking with people who were running organizations to help this particular population, foster youth who are transitioning into adulthood, what would you say if you're running a program, these are the things, you know, two or three things you absolutely should have incorporated into your program, kind of come at it from that perspective. What would you recommend that people include? Now I'll throw that out to either of you.
2: I would definitely say from my experience life skills, Chris, I'm not sure if you remember this, but when I first went away to college, <laughs> I had a dishwasher for the first time. I've never had one. And I was not aware that you were not allowed to put dish soap in the dishwasher. And if you did, bubbles just kind of went everywhere. I didn't know how to do taxes or I didn't know how to do a resume. I didn't know anything about budgeting or how to get an apartment or really those I think small skills that you learn as you get older. Um, I didn't know them when I was in foster care. My laundry was done for me. I didn't have to budget anything. I, I wasn't allowed to have a job, so it was kind of having to learn all these things at once. So I definitely think life skills is so very, very important in these youth lives, as well as coping skills. Going and graduating and, you know, going to college was such a huge transition to me. Getting out of foster care and just kind of having a whole new life, it was really, really hard. And it was those five-minute conversations that I'd either have with Chris or I'd have with my mentor that really helped me just to kind of cope with the changes that were coming and how quickly they were
0: coming. Excellent. Thank you. Chris, what would you say?
1: Yeah, definitely uh, some kind of trauma-informed care training. Cause a lot of times our mentors, they have an idea of what the young adults went through, but they really don't. So if uh, they're with their mentee and their mentee is very closed off and not giving a mind contact or just really not engaging so much. The mentor feels like, well, this youth doesn't like me. Can we look for another mentor for this young adult that may fit them? But in actuality, the young adult hasn't even warmed up to them yet. And so I I definitely feel like some kind of trauma-informed care training would greatly help the organization and the volunteer who's working with that young adult because they're really the front line. You know, yes, we're here to support and we're here to guide them and help them in any way they can but they're out there meeting with the youth and talking with them more than we are we want to give them as much stability as we can to cultivate that relationship between the two so again i uh, definitely some kind of trauma-informed care training so that way the volunteer understands a little bit about what the what the young adult may have gone through
0: right sure now in your organization do you have someone on staff who's say, certified to provide that kind of training, or do you work with a partner agency for that?
1: So we don't have anyone on staff to provide that kind of training. We either refer out to another agency or um, we have them click on a link. The Texas Department of Family and Protective Services has a, a great video, 45-minute video that talks about trauma. We, we tell them to please, at the end of our training. We send that link with them and uh, a lot of the mentors, actually all of the mentors, can get a better understanding. We do kind of touch on the emotions and what to expect when working with, a, with this population. We don't want to sugarcoat it for the mentors. We kind of want to give them real-life scenarios and real-life situations that we've either experienced or we know that a mentor has experienced. We'd rather not sugarcoat it. And then step away and say, I don't think I can do this, then match him with a young adult, and then then tell us that, and we're having to tell the young adult, sorry, this mentor um, didn't quite work out. We're going to match you with somebody else. You know, these young adults, it's kind of like a revolving door for people in their lives. Who we match them with, we want to make sure that they're going to be with them for a very, very long time.
0: Sure. And that's one of the factors if not the most important factor from what I have been hearing and reading that maximizes the chances that these young people will succeed in their transition to adulthood, that relationship. Correct. Now, this, this trauma-informed training, this link that you say you share sometimes, would you mind sending that to me? Because I can add it to our show notes, and then our listeners will be able to take a look at that as well, because there may be some who might not be as familiar with trauma-informed care. And I mean, I think it's growing. I think more and more programs are adopting that. But for those who aren't familiar with it, I think it would be maybe a really good link for them to see. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. What do you think would be an opportunity for improvement in the foster care system that would improve the outcomes for these young people aging out of care? Uh, I, I don't like to use this podcast as a, a platform to blast <laughs> the system, but I would like to explore solutions. So do either of you have an idea as to an opportunity that that could be taken to improve the system? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think extending some of the services that the state offers for the young adults that age out of care, 18, you know, our, our youth, the other side of the, the fence, the grass is greener. They think that but they don't realize that that's life and life is not going to be kind to anyone going into it. So for an adult who's 18, probably hasn't graduated from high school or doesn't have a GED and thinks that, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to go get my own apartment, things like that. And then all of a sudden it's, whoa, I don't know what to do or I don't know where to go or I don't know the money to put down the deposit for, for my housing, you know? So I think that extending more resources, extending the age, because at 21, their benefits, a lot of their benefits end here in the state of Texas. So at, I mean, I know at 18, I was uh, immature. So I didn't know how to navigate or do things on my own at that age, I had my, my family and my friends who supported me and helped me through those times, but who do these adults look to? Who's going to step in and say, you know, come on, let's enroll you into this GED program, or come on, let me do your access and FAFSA so that way we can get you into college. So yeah, I I really do think extending some of those resources and benefits from the age of 21 to maybe 25, because I know I'm starting to see. The light bulb is coming on around 21, 22 for these young adults, and they start wanting to better themselves, wanting to go to school, or recognize that they do have some kind of issue that they need to fix uh, through counseling. So, um, I, I think again, extending some of these services that the state offers would definitely be beneficial. More housing, um, because that's that's really the the foundation for the success of these young adults. They don't have a place to stay or they don't have anywhere they can go. How are they supposed to stay in school or get a job or things like that?
2: I definitely think that we are heading in the right direction with the the, the state recognizing that our foster youth need help. So the PAL program, like I said, the preparation for adult living services and recognizing that we need to teach the young adults kind of life skills and we need to help them with that transition is definitely a step in the right
0: direction. Right. Well, I wonder if, and I'm just throwing this out there, I like to kind of try to think outside the box, not to other people You haven't thought of this idea. but. What if we had a system where organizations that work with young people in foster care, say who are aging out or beyond those who have aged out, get some kind of, I don't know, accreditation, we'll call it that. And then the government could have a system set up where, you know, you leave foster care, if you hook up with one of these programs, then you will get X, Y, and Z, whether it's a monthly stipend or whether, you know, whatever the case may be, financial support, that their, their financial support and other supports would hinge on their participation in an accredited program. And the accredited program would have things like potentially the housing, the mentorship, you know, those other support systems that would be needed. I'm just throwing it out there. It just struck me. What, what would you think of that kind of approach?
1: Well, oh, I think that would be fantastic if we could, we can approach it at the age of 18 as they're exiting the foster care system, I I think that would be really, really great. Uh, I I, I feel like the curve, kind of flatten that curve, hopefully uh, have some of these, more of these young adults become independent and self-sufficient. So, um, because I don't know how it is in Pennsylvania, but here in the state of Texas, our young adults, I believe one in four, are going to be homeless by the time they're 20 one in three are going to be incarcerated if you're 21 so there's a lot of barriers that these young adults have to face so something like that i think again would flatten that curve bring it down
0: right Right. And, and Robin, I'll ask you, as kind of our last question. Since you were not too long ago in foster care, if the situation had been like, if you connect with one of these programs, then you can get extra financial support for, let's say, up to age 25. Would that have been a motivation? We're not saying you have to stay in a foster home, but you just have to hook up with one of these programs. It's a mentor program or a housing transitional living program, whatever it is you hook up with one of them, you'll get the extra financial support. Would that have been uh, enticing to you? I think for me, it's a little difficult just because
2: I wanted to be in the program just kind of by myself, but I definitely think it would have been kind of an added bonus. It's like, it's weird to think about what I would have done at nine, you know what I mean? I was 19 when I aged out of care, so I did extended foster care for a year. And I was lucky in that my foster parents really allowed me to stay. And I know that a lot of my fellow foster youth were not lucky enough to be able to stay in the foster home that they turned 18 in. And it was this idea of they didn't want to get bounced around, so it was just easier to go out of care. So I definitely think for a lot that would have helped, absolutely, and really helping them help motivate them to not only stay in the program, but also to really see themselves being successful you know, going and getting your welder certification or going
0: and getting your first apartment. Right, yeah, I think it's just unfortunate that I think so many young people are just, they turn 18 and are like, I'm done. I don't wanna do this anymore. I don't want people telling me what to do anymore. I'm out of here. And unfortunately they lose all those supports and that just makes life so much harder. And so the question is how do we motivate them to stay? So that's a discussion maybe for another day. how to motivate them to stay and take advantage of the programs that exist Um, but I I know we're at the end of our time so I will ask real quickly how could people get in touch with you Chris and Robin if they wanted to either talk with you about your program maybe bounce ideas off of you about their program or even you know provide donations How, how could people get in touch with you what's the best way Yes, um, you can reach through project through our uh, through project
2: cell phone and the number is 210-852-0220. or you can reach us at info at If you would like, you can also reach me through my direct email, which is Robin R O B Y N at thruproject.org for any questions, any donations, anything like that.
1: You can also visit our website throughproject.org. Uh, to get more information about our program and to connect with any one of us, I believe our contact information is on the website and you can learn, again, more about our programs, what we offer and what we do.
0: Oh, fantastic. Thanks very much. And we'll also have the link there to through project on uh, in the show notes of the podcast so folks can click on that and go right to your website. So I just want to thank you both so much for participating today, Uh, Chris and Robin. I really appreciate you sharing about your program and your thoughts on the foster care system. I just wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And for those who have listened to the end, I really thank you very much for doing so. We put out our podcasts every one to two weeks. So just keep an eye on the website or any of the podcast distributors that we have listed on our website. You can find our podcast there as well. Thank you very much.